Welcome back to Watched Once Never Again, the podcast where we watch disturbing cinema so you don't have to. I'm Mary Beth. And I'm Dax. I have a new job. You do. Hey guys, I uh I work at Dread Central now. That's pretty moving cool. Moving on up. Moving <laughs> on up <laughs> to the <laughs> east side. <clears throat> um <laughs> just wanted to make that announcement from the top. <laughs> the most professional way possible um yeah pretty exciting stuff guys thanks everyone for being so nice and complimentary i'm really bad at (laughs) what is this (laughs) um anyway it's uh no that's really great i cannot uh think of anybody who would deserve it more and it's a long time coming so congrats and congrats to dread central for getting someone who rules to work there now thank you i'm excited to be there anyway that aside that personal news aside we are leaving behind Catherine briott because boy oh boy not for us not for us we were gonna watch another movie of hers and i think after last week we thought you know it's just not worth it so we're gonna talk about australian horror movies instead (laughs) We were bored. Let's just say it. We, we were, were fucking bored. So bored. Like, look, I I like Fat Girl. We talked a lot about that. There's a time and a place, I guess, for like arts, artsy, porno, pornographic French movies, but just too many of them. Too slow. Too boring. Too whiny. Too misogynist. So we're now gonna talk about the loved ones, which is the complete opposite of that. <laughs> Yeah, we we realize we can do whatever we want because uh, is, we're it's in It's our show. It's our show. And not yours. Yours. <laughs> so we actually, it was weird. We, we both, like at the same time, said we wanted to do Australian movies. Yeah, that was fucking weird. I said, I wanted to do The Hounds of Love. And you're like, what the fuck? I was just talking about the loved ones. And I was like, wow, we have one shared brain cell and it's incredible. Yeah, it, that was really weird. <laughs> um, yeah, that was really fucking bizarre. But yeah, so we were going to do, well, I I won't reveal all the movies we're going to do, but we were going to do a different one at first. I think you suggested it, and I was like, I want to do something fun. And you know what's fun? Drilling holes into people's heads on prom night. <laughs> yes. Wouldn't you agree? I would agree. I think that that sounds like more fun than the prom I had. Why did you have such a bad time at prom? Um, I guess having a bad time at prom is a strong word, but I it w- I was with my very abusive ex-boyfriend at the time. That'll do. And it. I I'm a, I'm a tall person. I'm 5'10". <laughs> when you told me that, I just said no. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. I'm just like absolutely not. <laughs> When we meet, it's going to look like the poster for twins where I'm Arnold Schwarzenegger and you're Danny DeVito. I am Danny DeVito. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, but I'm I'm tall already. And so I wore heels because I wanted to. And I was taller than most of the people in my group, including the guys. So they all called me Truckosaurus, like from Archer all night and kept calling me a freak because of how tall i was that's rude (laughs) the whole night and i was like this sucks 
And then the whole thing was like super awkward. Oh, this is wow. This story actually is really funny because I don't think it's as like interesting because I lived it, but it actually is quite hysterical. So, you know, like with prom, like you have the group that you go with and like you have the limo that you guys get to get together and like drive to the prom and the limo and all that stupid shit. No. Well, go well, on. <laughs> here, here I am, a suburban white kid who all all she wanted to do was get pretty to go to the prom. So we had a group. I already had a group of six and another one of my friends wanted to join the group and she found us a limo, but it could only seat six people. So I had to kick someone out of the group and it was so dramatic and dumb. And the, the limo was um, shit brown. And the guy who drove it was their family friend who wore like a captain's outfit and brought his cocker spaniel as his cock, as like his, his co-pilot in a little hat. That was pretty incredible. Oh my God. But the best part of name? this whole thing, I don't remember. God damn it. The best part of this whole thing was my friend who found us the limo, who was a total brat about the whole thing. Her date was a guy she had been dating online for a year and a half and had never met in person. And we were all going to be meeting him in person for the first time alongside her and did not know if he was a psychopath. So we had to like plan and hope he wasn't crazy and like be in the limo and with us all night at prom. <laughs> wow. I was like, I don't trust him. And then there was like a whole drama because I didn't trust this guy that she met in an online chat room <laughs> that she had never wow. met in person. I was like, he's going to be 45 and a serial killer. Was he? He wasn't. He was like, normal is not the right word, but like he was who he said he was. I guess that's a good thing. That was but pure it was, luck. That was, it was the weird, it was the weirdest situation. So my problem was bizarre. Wow. My prom was bizarre too. So, for my prom, my my teacher I wasn't gonna go, but my teacher bought me um, my ticket and a tux. Wait, well, rented a tux for me Um, because, as you know, I lived in my car. (laughs) So prom was not at the forefront of my mind, but I thought that was really nice. Actually, recently ran into her and she was like ecstatic and she screamed in um, Barnes and Noble. Um, so that was fun. But anyway, so I had a secret girlfriend in high school because I, you might not know this. I'm trans. Did you know that? What? Most people don't know. But, um, in high school, (laughs) I (laughs) looked a little bit different and identified a little (laughs) bit different. Um, so I... Yeah, my girlfriend was not, like, allowed to even associate with me because you might actually find this hilarious, but a lot of parents hate me. Oh. (laughs) I know. (laughs) Hmm. Um, I don't... I was just talking to Lauren about this. I don't know why. I I think that, like, it was, you know, uh, the whole, like, you know, the stereotype of the gay or lesbian person trying to convert like the straight person i think that's at the time that i was like in middle and high school parents still thought like that and and they probably still do a little bit but um i think that's why a lot of like parents of girls that i dated they didn't like me because they thought i was like converting their child ah i wasn't obviously um because i was also a child like (laughs) uh, i wasn't some like fucking mastermind or anything um 
and a lot of time like they approached me like what the fuck have they ever considered that no probably not anyway um she wasn't allowed to associate with me we were in a secret relationship for like two years um my best friend was a year older than me and she got into a car accident on her prom night so uh, oh boy yeah so i brought her to my prom and then um my secret girlfriend uh <laughs> brought this guy who was just so obsessed with her and i was like why did you have to choose him like couldn't you choose like a different person um, this was the guy who sang in sync in front of the whole school at her. Like he stood in front of her and sang in oh. sync. It's gonna be me, actually, and I was sitting right next to her. Uh that was a time. <laughs> he was wearing a fedora too. Um <laughs> She brought him and he was very mad. Uh because I think he thought, oh, like maybe we'll date now. And he was just, like, her friend who was, like, there. And then, you know, like, she... He was in on the plot, but I think he didn't actually think the plot was going to happen. So, Uh, like, the plan was, like, I bring a date, she brings a date, then we meet up. You know? Yes. Yeah, it was a thing. Um, it, It just was a thing. And he was so mad and she was upset and we couldn't even take pictures because she's not supposed to like associate with me is a whole thing anyway i don't drink or anything so i just went to a diner after because i'm in new jersey and um yeah it was just like that kind of dramatic but it was like pretty fun i guess like it was okay i don't know well i don't know what like what, i i didn't i never cared about prom you know yeah, like I was excited for it, and then it happens, and I was like, "This is not literally that big of a deal. Like, this <laughs> is literally just another dance. Like it's nothing different." I'm like happy for people who love it, and it actually gave me one of my first instances of gender euphoria because oh. when I went, I mean, you know, at the time, this is what 2010. Like, I think people don't think about this, but like, we're like, um, not like. We're, like, newly progressive in this country. Like, in 2010, like, it was still fucking weird for me um, to go get a tux. Like, people were looking at me weird and, like, didn't want to help me. You know what I mean? But yeah, when I, when I went to pick up the tux, I was getting it fitted. And this la- this random lady who I, I don't... She didn't work there. She was, like, there to pick up something else. She, like, walked up to me. Because I, I don't know if you've ever been to, like, a like a men's warehouse type of place but like um they have all those mirrors uh, i guess probably yeah, probably yeah, dress no. places have that too yeah <laughs> you mean mirrors aren't exclusive to men i just got a wedding dress come on now Dax. i know what mirrors are <laughs> <laughs> oh does your little lady brain know what a mirror is <laughs> <laughs> reflecting surfaces see myself who are that me lady we use this thing you might not have heard of it it's a mirror Fuck. <laughs> Fuck me. Anyway, uh, I was standing on the fucking little platform in front of the, you know, mirrors, the man mirrors. And um, <laughs> <laughs> this lady came up to me and she was like, I hope you don't find this offensive, but you look so handsome. And I was like, 
thank you. And I was like, that was the appropriate word. Oh. You know, like no one had ever said that to me before. I was like, hmm, what is this feeling so sudden and new? And (laughs) (laughs) And it's that, my friends, is called gender euphoria. Yeah, I never forgot it. And no one ever called me handsome ever again. So thanks, lady. (laughs) Thanks. Handsome Squidward. So now that we talked about prom night, which I promise is relevant for anyone who hasn't seen this movie. Um, should we talk about the loved ones and go over the plot and stuff? We should talk about the loved ones. So, Dax, can you tell us a little bit about this film and what what it is? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I can read the Wikipedia. <laughs> Great. The, the Loved Ones is a 2009 movie directed by Sean Byrne. Are you a fan of Sean Byrne? I am a fan of Sean Byrne. He needs to make more movies, please and thank uh, you. I love agreed. The Devil's Candy. I Me too. The Devil's Candy. It's so good. That is a good one. Highly recommend. Especially if you like metal, because it's not like a metal movie where it's like, oh, all they listen to is like, I, I don't know, what's a metal band that everyone knows? Metallica. <laughs> you know, they it like talks about actual metal bands and stuff. And... Like yeah, actual metal and, I, and I don't know anything about metal and I really love I was like oh I have a much deeper appreciation for metal now yeah that's fair you don't have to like metal but it is it, it I think for anybody who's into like a not a niche genre because metal is pretty mainstream at this point in history but like you know what I mean like a like any sort of genre type of music like you watch it and they're always wearing like a sex pistols patch or something like that and it's yeah. like i love punk music green day rules <laughs> am i right and it's like oh my god american idiot <laughs> <laughs> it's like i mean sure people like green day not me but other people and like that's cool but like if you're trying to seem like a punk band i don't know go for something a little uh, more obscure than that. Am I being elitist? Probably, but I don't care. Anyway, so this movie is another movie by him. It's called The Loved Ones. And um, <clears throat> it's Australian. <laughs> G'day. <laughs> oh, we should have done that in the intro. What are we doing? Anyway, uh... So, you ready to hear this plot? I am very ready to hear this plot. You have to read it in an Australian accent. Just kidding. Please don't do that. I'm glad you added the just kidding because I was finna do it. Yep. That's why I said it. (laughs) High schooler Brent. (laughs) Driving. (laughs) I I think I got the Brent one pretty good. I like like the Brent. Brent. Sorry. (laughs) Um, High schooler Brent is driving with his father, Dan, when a bloodied man appears in the middle of the road. Swerving to avoid the man, Brent crashes his vehicle into a tree, killing his father. Six months later, Brent politely turns down Lola Stone's invitation to the prom in favor of his girlfriend, Holly. Lola secretly watches the two having sex in Holly's car. Guilt-ridden over his father's death, uh, Brent has turned to recreational cannabis. <laughs> Sorry. I don't know why this is making me laugh. Recreational cannabis. Recreational cannabis. Uh, 
<laughs> recreational cannabis use and self-mutilation with a razor blade hidden in his, in his necklace. Not hidden. It's just a necklace. At home, Brent's mother insists on him taking a taxi rather than ride with an inexperienced Holly. Brent leaves his house and goes to a nearby cliff. He briefly contemplates suicide but changes his mind. As he listens to music, someone knocks Brent out. <clears throat> Brent wakes up bound to a chair. His captors are Lola and her father Eric, who have decorated their house in imitation of a prom. The three are sat at a table along with a lobotomized woman they call Bright Eyes. That's kind of just to you. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> that would be a different movie. <coughs> yeah, it sure would. Lola injects Brent's voice box with bleach, destroying his vocal cords. He begins. Uh, she begins to humiliate him, experiencing arousal in the process. Brent frees himself and runs outside, but he is recaptured by the sadistic father and daughter, who pin his feet to the floor with knives. Lola shows Brent a scrapbook with photos of her past victims. Brent recognizes Timmy Valentine, the bloodied man who caused his crash. Timmy turns out to be the brother of Mia Valentine, the prom date of Jamie, Brent's best friend. Lola then brands Brent by carving her initials onto his chest and sprinkling salt on it. Bitch, it's not a sprinkle. Mm. She no, that is it. not a sprinkle. She just <laughs> going to say... <laughs> she throws salt at him um <clears throat> after eric crowns lola prom queen she admits having incestuous feelings for him the two dance and almost kiss before brent interrupts them eric opens a trap door on the floor revealing a basement cellar with the previous abductee still alive lola drills a hole through brent's skull and prepares to lobotomize him by pouring boiling water into the hole Brent manages to free himself again. He attacks Eric with his hidden razor blade and <laughs> razor blade and stabs him. <laughs> razor blade. <laughs> and stabs him with one of the knives. I hope I become a voice actor after this. I think um, you should. <laughs> and stabs him with one of the knives he pulled out of his feet. He pushes Eric into the cellar where the starving captives tear him apart. And unhinged Ooh. Lola pushes Brent uh, and, nope. Pushes Brent into the cellar and throws everything she can get her hands on at him. Brent finds a flashlight and a hammer among the thrown objects and uses them to defend himself against the captives. Lola then. <laughs> Did you sneeze? Fuck! I thought I muted it in time. <laughs> Fuck! Sorry. Keep it Didn't... in. Uh, Lola then. <laughs> smothers bright eyes who turns out to be her mother with a pillow out of jealousy when brent doesn't show up to the date a holly a worried holly informs mia's father a police officer he enters lola's house where lola kills him with a meat cleaver lola taunts brent saying she will kill his mother carla as revenge for her father and kill holly for breaking her heart after she leaves brent climbs out of the pit using the pile of corpses as Lola walks on the road, she sees Holly approaching in her car. She throws her scrapbook at the windshield and attacks Holly, who flees on foot. Brent arrives in the police car and runs over Lola. Holly clambers into the police car and is shocked to see Brent. The two embrace tearfully. 
A se uh, severely injured Lola approaches the car. Brent reverses the car, striking Lola in the head and crushing her skull. Brent and Holly arrive back home, where a shocked Carla embraces her son. The end. Now, that doesn't sound fun, <laughs> but it is. It's so fun because it's so like bright and colorful, and the bat. But it, it's so fun because of Robin McLevy's performance as Lola. As is like one of the best, like one of the reasons why the movie is so incredible and so fun is because she is so unhinged. Why is she credited as princess? That's weird. He he, I, that is weird. I know that he calls her princess. Like her Eric, her dad calls her princess the whole time. Oh yeah, I guess he does. I didn't think about that. Yeah, yeah. It's um, it's. And it's got a weird tone, right? Because like it's half comedy. Like the it, the Wikipedia article doesn't really explain it, but we follow um, his best friend Jamie as he goes to prom with uh, Mia, and um, that's like more like a comedy rather than you know the dark yeah. sort of tone of the rest of the movie. But yeah, like half the movie is following Jamie, and he's just like an idiot. And he's like on a date with a girl who's way out of his league. Um, so it's just funny, you know? Yeah, exactly. Well, because it has that like kind of teen, com teen comedy vibe to it and like teen dramedy vibe at the beginning when it's like, oh, this kid has experienced sad trauma and he's a sad boy. And then bad. I was just going to say, let's get this out of the way. He was in Twilight for those who he need to know. Wait, I didn't know he was in Twilight. You're welcome. Who was he in Twilight? I don't know. I didn't really get into Twilight, oh. but I did recently watch all of him for no reason. And um, he's definitely in it. <laughs> wow, he is. I don't know who this character is, but he's in Twilight. Is... He's in Eclipse. Yeah. Is his name Riley? Riley. It is. Wow. Look at you. I'm a Twihard. What can I say? Twihard. Is that what they're called? Yes, it is. I was I was a Twihard. Oh, I love that for you. Thanks. Yeah, and like you were saying, it's like a very like bright and um glittery movie. It's not near like it's it's got a dark tone for sure, um for like half of it. But uh <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't know how else to say like we're not demented. It actually is a fun movie. <laughs> Yeah, and like, you know, it is it's it's one of those movies where it's like it knows how fucked up it is, so it tries to kind of play with that and make you kind of like laugh a little bit and like acknowledge the absolute like how extreme and ridiculous the situation is. Like it is kind of aware of like what in the fuck is the situation and it just how can it get any fucking weirder? Like first like I thought it was <laughs> I just thought it was funny when they revealed all of the abductees under the floor. Just like, it could not get any fucking weirder. So here we are. Yeah, like, it's like, just. They just had to have I, I don't. <laughs> well, and the inclusion of Bright Eyes as well um, is also kind of like very Texas Chainsaw Massacre to me a little bit and gives oh, me yeah. that vibe. And it's also just like, why? Why the fuck not? Like, this is already such a fucking weird fucked up movie that like, why? let's just add these very strange elements to it to make it feel all the more, like all the more ridiculous and all the more almost comedic, um, which I think he's really good at. I think Sean Byrne is really good at that. Like, hey, this is horrific and also a little bit funny and really enjoyable to watch, even though it's really gruesome. 
it's so gruesome and and i guess we should talk about that like um that's why it's so disturbing like is it gonna ruin your life i probably not i don't think so but uh it's so gory when it gets gory <laughs> it's like well, yeah, you're just reading that. You're like, oh, yeah, they like she carves her name into his chest and it's just a very giant heart. And it's bloody and she drills a hole in his head, bleaching it. Like this, this isn't just like, oh, this guy gets a couple injuries. Like this guy is put through the ringer and it's one of those movies where you're like, how is he still standing? Just like sheer willpower. I think like uh, I think he realizes he wants to be alone uh, or alive rather, maybe alone. Yeah. But, um, yeah, and and it, it kind of like pulls them through. It. I was just thinking about like you know it is very Texas Chainsaw like you know with bright eyes and the demented family and just also like some of the gore you don't actually see, but like you don't actually see her really drill a hole into his head. I think yeah maybe a little bit, but not the whole time because they do it twice because she can't pour. She yep. she's like oh, I can't pour the hole I can't pour the water in because the hole's too small. Dad, can you like make it bigger, please? Like like a little baby. That's that's the weirdest part of this whole fucking movie is the relationship between the dad and Lola. Oh, I think which so is, too. And it's so when I heard I heard about this movie from a friend of one of my best friends in high school. Her sister was really into like extreme gory horror movies when they were in high school. So I learned about this movie from her. I didn't watch it for a couple of years because, again, I've mentioned this before. This was before I was into, like, gory films, and so I didn't have any interest in watching it. But I knew about it for a while. And when I finally watched it, I was expecting the gore, but I did, I had no idea that there was this really, like, weird relationship between the father and the daughter in this. And that was even worse to me. Uh, this really awkward, like, sexual tension between their father-daughter relationship. And then that, like, as you as we read, that very, oh, they admit having feelings for each other. And it's just so goddamn uncomfortable and not just because it's obviously incest but the performances just make it so yeah squeaky yeah they're too good like yeah at first you think it's just him being a creeper because like he gets he's obviously very jealous of uh of jamie right nope brent Brent? um brent Brent, uh, he, he's like, there's a part that I'm thinking of where Lola is basically being like, um, she's almost like Otis in The Devil's Rejects. You know that part in the beginning of The Devil's Rejects where they're in the hotel? I have never seen, I've never <gasps> seen The Devil's Rejects. Really? Really? Wow. I love that movie. Is there a reason? We, you can cut this out, but oh no, you can you can keep it in. I just I I've seen House of a Thousand Corpses. I've seen Lords of Salem. I'm not the biggest Rob Zombie fan. Um, I need to see I need to see it. I know that that's like the one that everyone talks about, and I just haven't gotten around to it. I'm not gonna shame you. I'm just saying it's it's actually really good. I know I've heard it, and I bet I like I bet I, I'll like it. I just haven't gotten around to it yet. I also really like House of Thousand Corpses, though, but that's kind of nostalgia at this point. Uh, but yeah, Devil's Rejects is legitimately legitimately a good movie. But and again, and, I don't have anything against Rob Zombie. I just like eh, he's, he's another one where I'm just gonna watch whatever he puts out for better or worse. Like 
<laughs> Usually for worse. Va- <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway. I love him so much. Anyway, um, good person. Anyway, so in the beginning of Devil's Rejects, this is not a spoiler. There's just a part where Otis is like uh, being a creeper to this girl and basically like threatening to sexually assault her with a gun. Um, oh, and you know, I know, as you, I know, as you do. I know that sounds. I mean, it is bad when you're watching. It's very uncomfortable. Um, but in this, you, the part where Lola is like telling, like standing over Brent and telling him to like suck her finger, that part reminded me of Otis and mm. the Devil's Rejects a lot. Um, okay. Just her, her like mannerisms and the way she's like talking and stuff um she's she's just basically being like how most male villains in horror movies are like that's something that they do um and that that in and of itself probably makes people uncomfortable but so brent like reluctantly like starts to suck on her finger and her dad gets so fucking jealous it's so weird like especially when you're like I don't know. When you're rewatching it too, when you know what's happening, it's easier to like look around at everything. Cause at first you're like, what the fuck? Like they like nailed his feet to the floor. You know what I mean? <laughs> yes. But when you can really start paying attention to her dad, his, I mean, that guy's mm. performance is like really good. He's, he's really good in that role. Like, I, I mean, I don't know if that's a compliment. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean it as a compliment, but in any case, yeah, he gets so jealous of Brent the whole time. He's jealous of everyone, very clearly. And then later, you see that she, it's, like, reciprocated. So, I mean, you know, there's a lot of, like, ethical stuff behind that and grooming and blah, blah, blah. But, like, if you just take that out of it, you're like, oh, shit, she she is as crazy as we think. Like, because at first you can almost think that you're making it up. Like, oh, maybe he's not jealous. Maybe he's like, you know, don't be sexual with my daughter because uh, I'm a dad or whatever dads do. Didn't have one, mm-hmm. so I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Never experienced uh, that. <laughs> <laughs> but then, yeah, you see that she says, like, it's always been you to her dad. That's why yes. she find Oh my god, that fucking you. that fucking like reveal moment. I was I think I was like Ugh! Yeah, that's the worst. She has so many good lines and the way she says that is really good. Oh, I, I didn't she write is it down, but She is oh my god. I I think like that's like, they they are the reason why I love this movie so much. Like the two of them sell it so well. Mm-hmm. And they make you want to watch them be terrible people. We can't hear you. <laughs> oh my I love her so much. But I love her because we don't get a lot of like bad teenage girls like this, like really bad, like fucked up bad. Like, I don't know. Like she's yeah. like one of a kind to me. And I that is what I love about this movie as well, is they let her be so fucking disgusting. And it's yeah. incredible. But like she's this so really, twisted. really she's so twisted in this like hyper like hyper feminine like bright pink eyeshadow and a bright pink dress but then she's just at carnage carnage everywhere and it is just incredible to behold and like the only i guess feminine part about it is that 
the reason she does it is because she has a like crushes on these boys who do not like her back. But then as I'm saying that out loud, is that not what like sexual like serial killers do? Like they I mean, they don't have a crush on you necessarily, but like you know what I mean? They like fixate on a woman and then Yeah, yeah they think they're so in it love, is similar. but it's yeah, exactly. Yeah, well, and, like, I didn't think about that till right now. And like she has this scrapbook of all of the boys she's done this to and it's been a long time i know i'm like i don't think it is prom because how many proms like you know unless this is like an orphan situation where she's actually like 67 i don't think she's been to that many proms no but wasn't hold on am i misremembering it was like end of school dance no no not the but it was like didn't she have the scrapbook and she was looking at at, like younger kids too like she had done it since she was little I, I unless I missed something, but it, it seemed like she's been doing this since she was little, like with a but with different people and different, yeah, and different kids was the Wait, vibe but that I, like I that got even more. <laughs> yeah, she's, exactly. She's always been fucked like a, since she was a kid. Yeah, like imagine like a little second grader doing that. <laughs> what the fuck? She's sick. I love it. She's fucking sick. Yeah, because I'm I'm just scrub- I'm scrubbing through just to like make sure I'm not full of shit. Um, but yeah, they sit down. She and her dad sit with him and like show the scrapbook, and she's like, "Look at all the boys! Look at all the people!" And like, there's young boy, like it's young boys. Yeah, who and- are like yeah. So she's been doing this for a long fucking time. And like it said, she she did it to um, Jamie's date's brother. Yep. But that's the only like that's like the only thing I don't like about this movie is it never goes anywhere with that. Like Yeah. Once Mia goes home, like I guess that's realistic. Like sometimes you don't get an like to know what happened to that person. But like we do know, so why not just tie it up, you know? Exactly. Well and then also they another important point is that that the boy that got away, Timmy Valentine, he is the one that stood on the road where oh, Brent yeah. swerved off the road and killed his dad. So it became this like, it's full circle that she's the reason why his dad is dead. Yes. Yeah. I don't know if the Wikipedia article even said that. No, it didn't. But um, that's like, I just remember that being an important point of being like, she's been, a, she has been a fucking up his life for a very long time without him knowing it. There's something else really great about this movie it really um, depicts, I think, it, it. you know, you could read it as a little melodramatic, but it, I think it depicts loss and grief pretty well, especially with his mother. Yeah. Who, like, there's a line that um, always sticks out to me, and I think it's his mother, Carla, talking to his girlfriend, Holly, and and Carla says, like, he thinks I blame him. And I think it's Holly yeah. who says, do you? And his mom just stares at her and doesn't answer. Cause she does. Yep. She totally does. You get that vibe the whole time. And like, can you blame her? Like she just lost her husband. Like I'm not saying to go about, you know, like blaming, uh, literal children for, you, you know, your problems. Um, but like, if you just lost your husband and, um, you know, you haven't properly dealt with your trauma or grief, like, maybe that is a natural reaction. Exactly. You 
Well, but I also think that there, and like, this is something that I liked in Hereditary. I'm bringing this to Hereditary because that reminds me of when she has the dream where she tells, where Annie Graham has the dream that she tells her son that she wish she never had him and that she doesn't love him, which is devastating. And it's this thing where it's like, you know, parents aren't supposed to be doing that. Like parents are supposed to love their kids and never have those feelings. But I love it when those, those, those moments happen in horror because they make parents people and they actually like put like a re- you don't become some kind of like stoic, unemotional machine. I don't know the right way to describe it. Parents are allowed to feel regret basically is what I'm saying. Like parents don't always have to love their children and like be obsessed with their children and I think it's an important thing to see that parents do experience those kinds of feelings of guilt and those feelings of um, blame. those dark, those like dark, yeah, those dark, dark emotions where they don't like, they don't want to blame their kid, but sometimes your brain goes there and there shouldn't be shame when your brain goes to dark places like that. And I think that just breeds even more shame. So I don't know. I just appreciate yeah. when, when they, when movies decide to go in that direction in a way to kind of illustrate how fucked up the grief process is and how it's fucked up for everybody. Yeah, I I definitely agree. Because it's like, it's not even that, like, I guess maybe we think, you know, your parents shouldn't ever think that. But they, what we know for sure is they definitely shouldn't say it. And exactly. I like when like, to your face. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, and like even further in Hereditary, she straight up like does blame her son and says it. And uh, well, I guess she tries not to blame him, but you know she does. (laughs) I yep, she agrees with you. But yeah, I I always like that about this movie because um, I do appreciate when parents uh, are you know, three dimensional and they're real people and uh, they have normal, like real reactions, like normal people reactions, not like saintly parent reactions. Yep. Because I'm like, it's just so fat because horror has such a relationship with parents, like motherhood and fatherhood is such an intrinsic part of horror and like our relationships to our parents and making them monster. Like, I feel like there is such a, a, such a like binaristic way of thinking in horror between like good parent, bad parent mm-hmm. and, and like bad parent is a monster and good parent is the savior. So when you have parental figures who blur those boundaries, I just really appreciate that so much more in the genre. Yeah, I appreciate it too. And it it's like funny when you think about her in comparison to like the good father, which I guess would yep. be Eric, who's like doting and does everything for his daughter. And, you know, it's like, who's really the fuck up here? Well, exactly. Like that's it. When I watch this movie, I'm always like, I wonder like, you know, she's the villain and he's almost like Eric is the accomplice. But it's like, what happened in her childhood where... He and his wife, who they lobotomized, like, what happened? Like, he obviously is kind of the monstrous parent. But that backdrop isn't, like, like that context isn't necessarily given, which is fascinating. Yeah, because your brain can just run wild. I mean, if you break it down, like, where would she have learned this from? How long was her mother lobotomized? Did he do that to her and then teach her that's what you do to people that you love? Exactly. Like, where did she, she just Google lobotomy? That, but like this yeah. is a good and a good way because you, you talk about grooming and like did he groom her did he teach her this stuff like did he 
see something in her where she had maybe like a mean streak and he like encouraged that and like wanted her to become violent and rebel against all the boys out there who were never good enough. Because, you know, it's like my dad used to always say this really fucking creepy thing where he was like, you're going to marry me when you get older. Um, I'm sorry. Yeah, it's probably fucking weird that I whatever we're saying it. He would say things like, yeah, you're, you're in charge of married. editing, so. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, you're going to marry me. Like, you don't have to worry about other boys, like, whatever. And I think that's, like, a weird, maybe it's, like, a suburban white family weird fucked up thing. Because I, like, went to, like, father-daughter dances and for Girl Scouts and all that weird shit. Um, oh, yeah. That is white. Where, Yeah. 100%. Um, where it's <laughs> where it's like your daddy is your also your savior and your husband and he'll always be there for you. And so this is the, that attitude taken to like the most fucked up extreme where like oh yeah, you're going to love your daddy. Hey, love um, your daddy, can you right? do me a favor and just never fucking say that ever again. Because <laughs> <laughs> I will kill myself. <laughs> Thank you so much. I will kill myself. Yes. But yeah, I mean, that's some Freudian (laughs) shit and my brain is running wild. Um, I I think I get, you know, I I hope this is what I'm hoping is that he just means you're going to marry someone exactly like him uh, because that's like the stereotype. We're going to go with that. As a a heads up, I don't talk to my father anymore. He's a fucking weirdo. So like. (laughs) Yeah. No dad club. It's funny. It's always it's always so but it's always so funny because like my dad, who I have no relationship with now, of my own accord because he is not a he is not a good person. I always feel like it's the dads who are the worst dads that are that crazy protect act that crazy protective over their kids. You know what I mean? Like at least in my in my experience, it's like he's like, oh, you're I'm good. You're gonna marry me because I'm the only man in your life. And and guess what? I haven't talked to him in two years. <laughs> so. Yeah. Hey, whoopsie. But yeah, like the part, like it's my favorite when he's just like, it's always been you, daddy. And they're dancing, and then all of a sudden they turn around and it's just like this wide sh- this wide shot of, of Brent like in the chair, <laughs> like covered like... in blood with his feet, <laughs> like pool of blood in his feet, covered in glitter, and he's just like Hello, <laughs> I'm I here. Mean, that that part is so good. Like That's yeah, why this it's so, well so fun. Because it's so funny. Like, it's these so, it's so gross, like, obviously, very incestual part. And then it's just like all of a sudden they turn over and, like, oh, yeah, there's like this carnage going on behind us. And like, he's trying to escape and he can't. And he falls over. And it's just so funny. It almost makes me laugh to think, like, maybe he, um, he did that because he felt uncomfortable. <laughs> like, you know, he was like watching <laughs> this. Like, I literally in real time. would rather you stab me with a drill than watch you make out with your daughter. <laughs> For real. For real. I mean, I I would also choose that. There's a line that I have written down. This is like random now. It is a Lola line because she has the best lines. And She does have the best uh, lines. She's the best. <laughs> she is. It says, um, when I find my prince, this is the song we're going to dance to. And I will sing it. Um, this is the song we're going to dance to at my wedding. But you're not him. You're just another frog. Yes. I and then she's, and then she's And then she steps on the knives. Yeah. <laughs> You're just another frog. <laughs> and then she goes, dance with me, daddy. 
But sing me the song. Am I not pretty enough? Is my heart still broken? What does she say after that? <laughs> I don't know. Um, but that's like the theme song of this. <laughs> um, that's like the theme song of this movie. Uh, and it's such a fucking certified banger. It is a fucking certified banger. Once you watch this movie, you will not be able to like think of it without hearing that song. <laughs> God, this fucking movie's a certified banger. It really is. Like it's just I, incredible. I feel like I hope we're selling it well because um I, I hope people aren't like yeah no you it still sounds really fucked up. <laughs> Oh, it's 100% fucked up, but it's the kind of fucked up where you watch it and you you don't feel totally awful after watching it. You're kind of like, okay, all right. It's so I, gleeful. I, I'm okay. Yeah, exactly. Like, it's a, okay. I can, I'm okay. I had a good time. I wouldn't show this to like everybody um, that you know. Yeah, just most but, people. Just most people that you know. Yeah. <laughs> it's so good. Like, I can't, I can't. It's too good. Lola's the best. Um, there was another. I love towards the end, e- even the part where. <laughs> so there's a fucking awesome fight scene between Lola and Holly. Yes, there is. And uh, they kick each other's asses. And then Brent comes out of nowhere and hits Lola with the car. And like Holly gets in the car. He- he's in a cop car because. Jamie's date, Mia, her dad is the police officer that went over to investigate. And, of course, he didn't bring back up because it's a horror movie. So he immediately got killed. Brent stole his car. Anyway, um, so Holly gets in the police car thing and it's a police officer. She sees Brent and is like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, you know, like, because he looks, I mean, imagine how he looks. <laughs> he's been starved. Um, he's sweaty. He's covered and caked in blood and dirt. He's got a hole in his forehead. Hole in his forehead. He's got a heart on his chest. His he does his um vocal cords don't work anymore. Yeah. So he yeah. looks a mess. She uh sees him and freaks out. They hug and I'm and I'm like, is now the time for this? But whatever, it's a movie. And then it, there's like a wide it cuts to a wide shot of the car and like all this like dead space behind it uh like the australian outback behind it and all you see is lola just fucking crawling up behind him it's in the knife. fucking credible i love it and then and then just to make it even sweeter brent reverses the car and it's so slow it's like a slow-mo like you watch Lola watching the car come at her. And then it just cuts so fast and you see her head bounce off the back bumper. <laughs> and it's really funny. Yep. Uh, but and like and it's even okay, but also the sim the symbolism of he crashes the car at the beginning and that road mm-hmm. and then he hits her like, as an accident and then hits her on purpose at the end and reclaims his story from her. And he finally is driving again. He's finally driving again. And it's incredible. And the slow-mo of her watching the fucking car come towards her is just... Oh, God. Why is this movie so good? Sean Byrne is just really, really good at making weird... 
He okay. So you know how this is going to be a really weird comparison. So like, stay with me here. I will. You know how Mike Flanagan makes really good emotional horror movies that are like really fucking sad and really scary at the same time. Yes. Sean Byrne reminds me of that, but in a way where he makes really fucking gory movies that also have a really good emotional core to them, but never sacrifices the intensity and the brutality of his movies for his characters. I'd agree with that. Yeah. Though, have I seen anything else by him besides The Devil's Candy? He's only done two movies. Yeah, I was going to say, does he even have any other movies? No. So this is me going off of two whole movies. But still, he's got a a really strong directing voice for someone who's only made two movies. You know what I mean? Like, For sure. He has a a really strong idea of, like, who he is and what he wants to create with his films. Like, the The Loved Ones and Devil's Candy are... I don't think the love. I don't think the Devil's Candy is as intense is as like brutal, but it's definitely fucked up. <laughs> For sure. What was that other Lola line? Now I'm just gonna say lines I like by her, where she's like, "I'm gonna go to your house." <laughs> she says it's so calm. She's like, "I'm gonna go to your house and I'm gonna kill your mother just like you killed my father, and then I'm gonna." Uh, <laughs> Then I'm going to stab Holly just like you stabbed me in the heart. And you're like, okay, Dr. Seuss, that was so poetic. I love how childish she is. (laughs) I think that's what it is. It's incredible. Like, she's so, she's childish. She's a child. Like, she is stuck in a very specific mindset of somebody who's like, I'm a little girl who get whatever she wants because I'm daddy's little girl. Yeah, and it's very much the, like, pretty pink princess like birthday party of a four-year-old but like yes. with like lobotomies you know you ever invite a friend over and just lobotomize them just a little fun you know just, just a little fun a little fun you have to give them activity. a party favor <laughs> and it's part of their brain you just hand them part of their brain <laughs> oh god that part just really gets me because it just seems so horrible and like it just like the the smoke that comes out and uh, uh, nope i don't like that it's really good though <laughs> <laughs> but so i i feel like this is one of those movies that's really disturbing but it it's more accessible than i think other like disturbing films if that makes sense oh i absolutely agree like yes it has all these like <laughs> these horrible subjects and uh you know sometimes taboo subject matter um but yeah i agree it's more accessible than most movies i think especially for like our audience where i feel like most of the people who listen to our podcast already like horror movies you know yeah yeah and if they haven't seen this already they would probably like it exactly and like unless there's like a very specific thing in this movie in terms of like body horror that you don't like i feel like it's still a good a good a good time for horror fans like it's not it's no solo (laughs) no and i'll say this i am a person who can't like really handle body horror um it just like really gets me again because my i think i said this before but like i have very um terrible ocd and like body horror like really triggers it and i'm totally fine watching this movie so I feel like, you know, 
I think it's accessible even for people who don't like body horror stuff. Not that I speak exactly. for everyone, but but I do agree. I think it's it's got enough body horror that it's gross, but not not too much that it's going to like really be horrifically upsetting. And again, it depends on your what you prefer. Everyone's different, but you know, echoing what Dak said. I also love gore, so this didn't. This was like hell yeah. Yeah, I'm. You know what I was just thinking. I'm excited for um, some more of these movies um, because, like, I told you. But I, like, collect uh, Australian and, like, New Zealand, like, horror movies. Um, and I'm, like, excited to see more of the Outback, you know? Outback, stay cow. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, keep... I sang two things. Outback, stay cow. That's why I was apologizing, because I was singing the Outback, stay jingle. I don't know. I don't know that jingle. Outback Steakhouse? Yeah, I don't know that jingle. Oh, you have no Oh, well. Did I know that? I don't know. I don't I don't know if you knew that. It's just from the comer- old commercials for the Outback Steakhouse, the Bloom and Onion. That I remember. <laughs> I maybe I was just hyper focused on the Blooming Onion. That's <laughs> true. That honestly though I understand that. I I do get that. It's like no no, no but thoughts, I- just onion. But like Australian horror movies are an- are another level of fuckery because they're I think they're a really really interesting brand of scary. But a lot of these movies that I think some of the movies we're gonna watch are based on real things that happen, and there are some fucked up serial killers from Australia. This was based on and the true story. The loved ones is. Yeah. No shit. Wait, I didn't know that. No, I made it up. I'm sorry. Wait, are you real? <sighs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I was like so ready to like buy it because like there's a couple. Oh fuck you! <laughs> I'm sorry. I just had to do that. I do that to all my friends. And I really, I you friends. really got me hook, line, and sinker there. <laughs> I was like, wait, Whoa. wait. This is not a drill. Um, on I just looked on Wikipedia like just right now after I just did that, and it says there is a real life crime. Hold on. It says in March oh, 2013 at Chester Crown Court, Judge. Elgin Edwards described a sadistic torture murder as a reenactment of a scene from this film. During sentencing, oh. Judge Evans described the defendant, Gary George, as uh, as particularly liking the loved ones. The victim, Andrew Nall, was brutally beaten, sustained 49 knife wounds, and had cleaning fluid found in his eyes. George was sentenced to life imprisonment with a minimum term of 30 years. So not based on a true story, but a true story was based on this. That's horrible. That's fucked up. That has got to be a director's worst nightmare. Like. Yeah, I think about that a lot. That's terrible. Well, I know, like, was it some fucking guy, the guy who shot. Some white guy who shot another prominent white guy was like was found with Catcher in the Rye in his backpacker in his pocket and people are like jd salinger how do you feel about it and i'm like he, pr- bad he probably feels really fucking bad man that, that was the death cited. of john lennon <laughs> it wasn't just someone um, like some some white guy <laughs> was i I'm wrong <laughs> i guess Sorry. no 
You're not wrong. You're I, right. I was like, was it was it him or Ronald Reagan? <laughs> I can't keep all the assassinations. It's up to straight. Leave me alone. No, well, <laughs> ma'am, that was the assassination of John Lennon. Oh, <laughs> I guess that's Mark, pretty important. <laughs> I think he was um, murdered by um, I want to say Mark David Chapman, right? Yep, you're right. guy, <laughs> <laughs> some some guy murdered some other guy. I said prominent guy. Okay, that is fair. You're right. I I, I had the very 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 broad strokes of it. <laughs> I knew I was I I was like if Dax knows who this is, I'm gonna look like a fucking idiot, and <laughs> the prophecy has been fulfilled. <laughs> so sorry, but uh, no, you're right. I think about that a lot. I think about you know like uh people who blame uh metal music who who blame probably like i don't know was Wes craven blamed for something probably with scream uh you know scream is based on a true bait scream is based on or inspired by true story that is true i learned that today not today a couple of weeks ago but i was say you didn't just learn that (laughs) listen to a podcast about that guy the other day oh really anyway yeah Last podcast on the left did um, a two-part series on Danny Rowling, who is the green, the Gainesville Ripper. Okay. Interesting. Anyway. But yeah, so that was The Loved Ones. Do- please check it out. Like, we, we, I, just check it out. It's I'd just be surprised it's if fun. people yeah. didn't like it or if they found it too extreme. But yeah, I, I think that this is one of those fucked up movies that people will like to, will, will have a good time watching. Yeah, and it's very rewatchable too. I've seen this so many times at this point. Yep. Yeah, it's very rewatchable. Um, I will say though, the movie that we're talking about next week is not as rewatchable or as fun. Which you didn't even tell me what it is. Because uh-huh. I don't know if people realize this, but we go back and forth with our choices, except for during Catherine Briot. We both said uh, Fat Girl, and then I was just like, yeah, you take over. <laughs> so that was the only time where we didn't go back and forth. Jesus take the wheel and uh, I took the wheel and I just kind of drove us into a really boring 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 place um, are you saying you're Jesus yes I am um, but we are going to watch Hounds of Love for next week oh we is are you okay with that yeah um, that one is much more upsetting um, yes. that one is based on a true a true set of serial killers in Australia. Um, I love this movie, but it is very difficult to watch. Yes. I think we might have differing opinions. What? But we'll save that for next time. Okay. I was like, well, (laughs) I've only seen it once though. And I usually watch things twice. So we'll find out. Well, Thank you, everyone, for listening to another episode of Watch Once Never Again. Uh, make sure to follow the podcast on Twitter at Wona Podcast, and make sure to send us an email if there are any movies that we should watch. If there's any other Australian horror movies you want us to check out, uh, you can send us an email at wonapodcast at gmail.com. Uh, you can also follow us on Twitter. I'm at MB McAndrews. I'm at Daxy Bobbin. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. Am I not pretty enough? Is my heart too broken? Do I cry too much? Am I too outspoken? Don't I make you laugh?
try it harder Why do you see right through me? Why?